Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Sandra Brecker's office is in Berlin, but her attention at any given moment may be focused on India, Kosovo, or transatlantic relations. This is Colleen Chaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs talking with Ms. Brecker, head of office in Berlin for the Robert Bosch Foundation. She's currently a World Fellow at Yale University. You've expanded the geographic scope of the foundation considerably. I'm interested in Southeast Europe because it seems that Bosch became active there when a lot of other organizations were pulling out. Why was it important to you to be working in the Balkans? When we started working in the Balkans in 2003, the Balkans were still um, at a point of development where they needed a lot of aid and mm -hmm. uh, support. And as you just said, many organizations, in particular American organizations, were pulling out of the region as the um, interest, also the political interest in Washington and in other capitals of the world, switched to other regions, in particular the Middle East. And um, in our view, the work in the Balkans has not been finished yet. It's only beginning after the wars and crises of the 90s. So what many of the countries of Central and Eastern Europe went through in the 90s, the transformation, transition processes and reform processes have only started in the Balkans now. And we also firmly believe that the Balkans by now are a European responsibility, mm -hmm. both politically and in terms of civil society development. So we feel that it's now really time for Europe and also European foundations to take the lead. It's sort of a, a risky thing for a foundation to do, though. A lot of foundations want to invest where they know they're going to be successful. You invested when the area was in crisis still. Well, I have to uh, admit that American foundations are actually much more courageous in investing in regions which are in crisis than many Europeans are. I think we came in at a point where we were still risky mm -hmm. and yet much less risky than in the 90s. Um, whenever you invest in countries which are in a post-conflict situation or conflict situation, it is risky, but you have to start somewhere. If you wait for things to settle down to a point where you have a peaceful and stable uh, situation, um, it's really somehow uh, losing the point mm -hmm. of, of investing there. Are there ways that foundations can be players in developing civil societies, avenues that are maybe not so easy for governments to take themselves? Well, definitely. In particular, since uh, civil society organizations and activists are very careful to be independent uh, from governments. And uh, so they do need uh, independent and uh, non-political support. And this is where foundations, which are part of civil society mm -hmm. too, can be particularly helpful. However, one has to say that foundations have very different missions. Some are political in themselves, you know, uh, and the missions and objectives of foundations are very different. So I wouldn't be able to give you one answer uh, mm -hmm. that fits all. Well, let's talk a little bit about your mission. At the top of the interview, I talked about the different areas you're involved in, which are very, very far flung. How does it all fit together? Explain what your big picture goal is. Well, the programs that we uh, run in our international relations departments really look at um, developing international understanding between individuals, between societies, between countries. And that is essentially how it all fits together. This many times, of course, means 
that uh, there is an aid in reform processes or in transition processes uh, involved. But uh, definitely the underlying assumption is that we want to support international understanding. And this starts, you know, can start at a very young age. Um, it can uh, look at very different target groups, at very different uh, segments of society. But this is kind of the underlying basis of our work. The idea of fostering international understanding makes me think of immigration, which is a hot-button issue in many parts of Europe, as it is in the United States. Do you think that the work you're doing going across national boundaries could lead to more thoughtful discussions of that issue? Well, we do hope that uh, our contribution, uh, as small as it may be to international understanding, uh, in many ways you know, raises an interest of individuals and of societies in the other in general. However, one has to say it's sometimes easier to develop understanding for those who are across the border than mm -hmm. for those who are in your own society and who are your neighbors. So um, a special and particular additional effort uh, is needed to really um, uh, kind of put the issue of immigration to the forefront and also of integration. This is what the foundation is doing in one of its other uh, areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that, you know, if you work uh, cross borders, sometimes it's even easier than to work in your own society and to develop understanding for the other, uh, which is next to you. Tell me about a program you're sponsoring that you're particularly proud of. Well, uh, one of the, you know, I think that generally our program in the Balkans has been quite uh, exemplary in how we develop our structures. We started by um, initiating an international commission on the Balkans, uh, a uh, very high-level commission which developed uh, recommendations based on its findings for Southeast Europe. And based on that, we thought what the strategy might be uh, for the region, for our foundation to have an added value in the region among the many multilateral organizations and private organizations and governments already active. And um, one of the, I think, most successful and most prominent programs is uh, that we, together with other European foundations, established a European fund for the Balkans, which means we uh, put together the, uh, the financial support from many uh, big organizations in Europe in order to have uh, the effect of synergy and established a new organization in the region, which is now active across boundaries. Another of the projects uh, I think which we are very proud of is our work on truth-telling and truth-finding and reconciliation in the mm -hmm. region, which is probably mo one of the most difficult areas to work in. And here our support to civil society organizations and activists has shown a tremendous impact, um, sometimes on the local level, sometimes you know between towns and communities, and sometimes across borders. Now, is the global financial crisis going to limit what you're able to do going forward? Thank God it's not going to be limiting our own giving uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the amount for now, uh, and I'm very confident that it won't for the next years to come. However, I think it will definitely impact on our impact uh, because many of the organizations that we work with, our partners, mm -hmm. American and European foundations, have to cut their fun funding as they cut our, the impact of our funding uh, is smaller too. And we already have many organizations, but not only from Southeast Europe, also from other regions mm -hmm. coming to us and saying, you know, we are uh, in a very difficult and actually existential situation. And uh, we as a foundation will not be able to make up for all of the holes uh, that have developed over the last few months. And that I, I fear will only get bigger as we go along over the next two or three years. 
I see that you started a dance company when you finished school. How do you get from there to policy analysis and philanthropy? Well, starting a dance company, um, aside from having a, an obsession and a passion for dance, I think uh, was uh, very much bringing together people, bringing together young people uh, for a common cause, because we uh, didn't only dance for, uh, for the sake of dancing, but we also put together uh, large-scale performances for uh, the good, for the uh, for a public benefit. For example, trying to get money for uh, orphanages uh, mm -hmm. or any other institutions. So there was an early you know, wish to get people together in a common cause. And then uh, if you look at the career trajectory, um, it's a lot about finding what you're best at. And uh, if you realize that maybe dance is not what you're best at, you have to explore the other talents. And I realized that I had a very early interest in bringing together people and essentially uh, allowing for a dialogue and communication between people. And um, this is what I'm doing today. You're also chair of an organization called the Transfuse Association, which sounds a bit like the World Fellows Program to me. Can you describe that? Well, it actually is very similar. It was a, an, uh, a program created at the end of the 90s when the wars in uh, former Yugoslavia were still raging. We brought together 33 people from all of the countries of Southeast Europe, from broader Europe and also from the U.S., to come together uh, in the course of two years for several times. So it's different from the Yale World Fellows Program because unfortunately the group didn't have mm -hmm. the four, full four-month immer uh, immersion into a program. However, we brought them together and at the end of this program, the participants felt that they wanted to continue their common work together and uh, established an independent association. So uh, this association has grown over the past 10 years from a group of 33 to now 100 people who um, do not agree on uh, many things, mm -hmm. but who still try to uh, you know, cooperate and communicate with each other, and who really successfully showed that uh, despite the crises and conflicts and wars, um, you can establish a, a sort of a basic understanding between people which will allow uh, them to live together. So in many ways it's similar because uh, I think in the World Follows program, many of us do not agree on issues, uh -huh. uh, but we do have a common language to discuss these issues. And that is the important thing that we're doing. Tell me what you're taking away from the World Fellows Program. Well, first of all, I'm taking away uh, friendships. Friendships with my colleagues from within the program, but also from the broader Yale community, which are very valuable and which I trust uh, will be uh, lifelong friendships. Secondly, I take a lot of knowledge with me uh, and new horizons on many different issues and new perspectives uh, because I can look uh, at certain problems from a, at least partially from a Chinese perspective, from a Japanese perspective, from a UN perspective today, from a Bahraini perspective. And this, I think, will definitely inform my decision making in the future. I also take away um, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, essentially, you should never cease to learn, obviously, mm -hmm. and um, uh, that uh, if you set your mind to something, you can do it. Some of my fellow fellows have such inspirational life stories that yes. I myself feel very inspired. And um, I feel also I have to do my job better uh, to serve the larger public interest. Thank you. We've been talking with Sandra Brecca who's participating in Yale's World Fellows Program for Emerging Leaders Around the Globe. For more information, please visit yale.edu.